Do you want to be a leader who gets noticed, gets things done, and gets real results? Then you need influence and authority. Join host Jennifer McClure to learn how to build authority, expand your influence, and increase your impact. This is the Impact Makers Podcast with Jennifer McClure. Well, hello there, Impact Makers. Today, I'm excited to share with you a conversation with one of my dear friends and mentors, Steve Brown. Steve is not only my friend, but a friend and encourager to thousands, maybe even millions of others. He's someone who loves people and who has a legitimate goal to connect with every human in the world, or at least every human who works in human resources or who works with people. So that's pretty much everybody. Steve is the executive director of human resources for La Rosa's Inc., a regional pizzeria chain of restaurants started in Cincinnati, Ohio. La Rosa's is an iconic brand in that area of the country, and Steve has become an iconic leader in his profession. I don't remember the first time I actually met Steve, but we've probably known each other for over 20 years. And like many of the people who have had a great impact in my life and probably in yours, he chose to invest in me without me even asking. In fact, you might say that I actually avoided him for a while. I've mentioned before that I'm a pretty strong introvert, and for years as a business professional, I didn't venture out of my workplace very much for, quote, professional networking. In fact, I didn't venture out of my workplace at all. But thankfully, Steve Brown didn't judge me for that, but he also didn't accept that. Steve started a monthly local networking meeting for HR professionals in Cincinnati, and of course, anyone who works with humans way back in the 90s. That was also the early days of the internet and email, and like many people, I was mostly using email to communicate with people in my own organization, not so much with the outside world at that time. But somehow, Steve found my email address and began sending me emails inviting me to his monthly HR roundtable meetings. I had no idea who he was, other than he was definitely funny and passionate about people. But of course, I deleted the emails each month because I didn't see the value in connecting with others in my community. Like most people, I had a lot of work to do, y'all. No time for that networking thing. Now, the place where I worked at the time was a Japanese-owned automotive component part manufacturing company. As a Japanese organization, we were very focused on team, and everyone in the company wore the same uniform, even the management and executives. We all looked like gas station attendants wearing blue pants and blue and white striped shirts with our company name patch on one side of the shirt and our own name patch on the other. One day, the manufacturing manager stopped by my desk and told me that his neighbor had noticed him mowing the lawn one day wearing his work shirt and said, hey, doesn't Jennifer McClure work there? Well, of course, he said yes, and Steve asked him to tell me that he'd love to see me at the next HR roundtable. Keep in mind, this was the days before LinkedIn or social networks, so Steve knew nothing about me other than I was a disconnected HR professional, and he wanted to fix that. Of course, I still didn't go to the meetings, but as karma would have it, fast forward about 10 years and I, like many people at some point in their lives, found myself without a job with no clue what to do to get another one and, of course, no network to help me. So who did I reach out to? You guessed it, Steve Brown. And he treated me like the long lost prodigal son or daughter that he had actually never met in person. Since that time, Steve has been one of my biggest supporters, a dear friend, and someone who I definitely consider to be a mentor in both my professional and personal life. And I can't thank him enough for investing in me. But the reality is that Steve does this kind of thing for many people. There are countless people who can say that he has made a huge difference in their lives. And just like me, many would say that they didn't deserve it. 
In our conversation today, Steve shares a little about where he got started, who helped him to see how he could best use his gifts and talents in the world, and he also shares some stories about people who helped to shape him as a professional, including one person who pinned him against a wall and demanded that he stop complaining about the problems in his profession and start being part of the solution. That one person set Steve on a path to becoming a leader not only at his company, but in his profession at the local, state, regional, and now global level as a board member of the Society of Human Resources Managers. SHRM is the largest professional association for human resources professionals with almost 300,000 members worldwide. He's also a published author of the best-selling book, HR on Purpose, Developing Deliberate People Passion. You don't have to be a human resources professional to be inspired or to learn something from my conversation with Steve. His advice and experiences highlight the importance of making people feel valued and heard. And I am so very grateful to be someone who has been impacted by Steve Brown. Well, hey there, Steve Brown. How are you today? I'm great, Jennifer. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm surprised that you didn't come back with your usual answer of that you're geeked. I am. I am. But it's kind of a constant state for me. So I don't want to wear it out. I don't, I live it. I don't have to say it. Oh, I like that. I live it. I don't have to say it. Well, I have the opportunity to talk to you today and I really appreciate you giving me that opportunity because, you know, my goal in this podcast is to talk to people that I believe are making an impact in the world so that they can share more about that and also that we can learn from them, me and the audience, about how we can make an impact as well. And Certainly, when I think about people who've had an impact on my life, you come to mind, and I'm excited to to share more about you with my audience here today, but many of the people listening may not be familiar with who Steve Brown is, and so maybe if I had to challenge you to say in like two minutes or less, what's the Steve Brown story starting from Ada, Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I came from a town that is honestly like Mayberry from Andy Griffith. Uh, there are 2,500 people in my hometown, and I graduated from a class of 73. It was a majorly huge high school class. Uh, in fact, I was valedictorian, and when I told my kids, they go, yeah, but your class was 73 people. Aww. So it's, it's nice that they, you know, pull it down. Kids keep you humble. Level. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, so I grew up in a small town and I loved it. I had a lot of my values and my, um, shaping happened there from my family and the school. And I didn't understand that when I was growing up because I've been the kind of person who's been immersed and surrounded by people my entire life. Uh, I'm not good at being alone, uh, which is not a good attribute, uh, but I'm not, I, I would much rather be swimming in people. I didn't realize that until I went to college and, again, immersed myself in people. And when I wasn't doing well in college, after being valedictorian, uh, my mom said, hey, you know, why don't you find a field where you can be around humans? And uh, it just struck me, you know, how blind we are to our obvious surroundings. And once I did that, I felt at home. Yeah, because you were going uh, to school for engineering or something kind of non-human. I right? was. I, yeah. <laughs> well, all the engineers just turned the podcast off. They're like, oh, really? Thank you. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I, 
I went into a field like many people, uh, many kids, when they go to college, they're told to go into the highest paying fields. I'm very good at science and math. And, you know, you wouldn't know that, but it's a, I have a, I'm more of a well-rounded person. It's funny, uh, the people that get to know me think that they know me very well. And I'm a lot more well-rounded than they think, uh, which is why uh, one of the things that really was a, when you say describe yourself, uh, I was the guy in high school and in college who hung out with every type of person. So I could be with the jocks and the nerds and the uh, school kids, the music kids, the you know druggies. It didn't matter. I was welcomed everywhere. And I love that. And I've, I've always liked that. I don't want to be around just a certain small sector of people. And I think it's helped me in my career as well because I haven't been in just one industry. I've been in several, and uh, it makes me as comfortable to be with the person at the front line than the, as well as the senior, most senior person in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're people, and I, I just, you know, another human. I'm very good with that. Yeah, so your mom being an early impact maker in your life kind of recognized that in you, and, and did you immediately say, well, I guess it was probably called personnel back when when you maybe made that choice that was that the path you chose or you just kind of started taking more communication classes or something of that nature? No, I took, uh, I, I have a major in a major that doesn't exist anymore, which again is very encouraging. Uh, I took a major in interpersonal communications. Uh, person personnel didn't even exist at Ohio university. It, they may have had some labor relations courses, but, I did communications and I did it because you could be anything from a pastor to a teacher, to a social worker, to HR. I mean, it was a very broad base um, thing. And I think the thing that sealed it for me was I took a class my junior year that sat on interviewing. And in the class you had to interview everybody and everybody had to interview you. And at the end of the class, the class said, okay, who should be the interviewer and who should be the interviewee from our group? And the class voted that I should interview myself. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, well, there you go. I guess I, I know which field to go into. I should interview myself. <laughs> was that even an option? I mean, <laughs> no, no, but I was like, wow, that's you know, okay. Thanks, guys. Cool. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, so from there, you know, kind of history is made and, and, you know, you did go into, I guess, personnel and maybe eventually that became human resources. So I like to challenge people to, you know, how they would describe themselves. And I know you're perfect for this. So you get on an elevator, it's going up 10 floors and just randomly the other person in the elevator says when the doors close, who are you and what do you do for a living? What do you say? Uh, I say I'm probably the most open booked person you'll ever meet. Uh, I will tell you everything about my life the day you meet me. I don't have to go through this big set of hurdles that says, you know, if you prove this, then I'll share this. And if you share this, I'll share that. Anything you want to know about me, I'll tell you. No holds barred. And uh, what do I do? I get to work with people. And, uh, I heard something recently at a meeting I was at that, you know, human resources is being 
changed and becoming more people manager focused. I don't know if I quite agree with that description, but it's really closer than just human resources. You know, uh, I work with humans and uh, and love it. I mean, I am wildly, wildly, wildly passionate about it. It doesn't, you know, ever get old or boring or burned out or anything. I I can't wait to be around people. So do you think, and of course, um, you know, for, for those that don't know both of us, which probably is most of the people listening here, <laughs> you would be like on the introvert extrovert scale, you would, there would not be a measure for your extroversion. And on the introvert extroversion scale, I'm like way down at the, the very end of the introvert scale. But amazingly, we're friends. And I thought about this recently. There's a, a graphic that I've shared before that always makes me think of you, you know, the, the introverts, um, pie chart of how they acquired friends and you know 95% are like cats and dogs and then 5% are the extroverts that adopted them so you know <laughs> you you definitely have adopted me and many other people so i guess my question that i always kind of think of when you say things like that is is it possible for someone who is not as extroverted as you and not as excited about swimming with all the people to be a really good people manager or even an hr manager in today's world Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think people who are further towards the middle of the spectrum are probably a lot more effective. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, I, think, well, I think the key is this. Um, I'm going to seek you out whether you want me to or not. Most people just want to be acknowledged, belong, um, know they have value, and that could be done by anybody. I think if somebody is authentic and truly has empathy towards people, cares about people. Their extroversion or introversion will match. Uh, I surround myself with people that fill my holes. Uh, so I'm not around people like me because that would be awful. <laughs> uh, I, I, I couldn't take it. I want to be around people who balance me, who uh, add value, and I don't know what the right word is. They you know, bring things to the table. Something I don't have, skills, perspectives, viewpoints, uh, disagreements, uh, because if not, you can be this raging, arrogant, <laughs> maniacal person, and I don't think that has value anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think people who are more along the spectrum, if you were so introverted, not from a shyness standpoint, which is just a misnomer about what introversion really is. But if you were so thoughtful and had to process everything constantly, I think HR would be tough because, you know, you do need to take in the information you have, assess it and react, but you can't constantly churn processing to let it go, let it go, let it go and never get it out. You know, you have to come back to the people you're working with. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you give other leaders um, about how they can really connect with people that work for them or in their organization? Are there some tips or some things that you suggest that people do to really connect with people? And as you said, make them feel valued and heard? Yeah, I think they, this is going to sound terrible. I think they need to stop towing the company line. Um, you're not a commercial for the company. You know, be Jennifer, be Steve, be whoever you are. As a person, be genuine. You know, people know very much that I'm from a small town. Uh, people make a lot of cow and sheep jokes around me. 
which is hilarious. You know, uh, I want them to know everything about me as a person because I don't think you can connect with others unless you're willing to be transparent yourself. And I'm not saying transparent like, you know, look how great my story is. Your story is what it is. So if it was tough, share what you feel you can. If, if it was uh, very active, share what that is. But people want to identify with others genuinely. So if I have siblings, they have siblings. It's really very, you know, bottom shelf for me. You know, if you had a mom and dad, I had a mom and dad. It doesn't matter whether the families were functional or dysfunctional. We have more in common with other people than we think. But we don't take time to get into that because we focus on processes, procedures, policies, work, instead of people and connecting with them where they are as humans. Uh, once you have that connection and that, uh, you know, I have something in common with every person I know, every single one. Mm -hmm. uh, and by having that commonality, you can build from that because then you can build credibility, trust, respect, laughter, joy, optimism. Uh, there's all kinds of positive things around this that uh, help you build an in for people in HR. If you don't want to get to know people from a non-judgmental non standpoint, and I don't think you should be in the field at all. I know that sounds harsh. Um, and I know it's not common. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I want to know people who they are for who they are, period. You know, I may not have those same backgrounds or attributes or demographics, but it doesn't make them any less a person. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, there was young Steve kind of coming out of school and with all of these skills and talents and um, opportunities, have there been people either then or along the way that you could point to that maybe really spoke into your life and impacted you in a way that either changed the direction of where you were going in your career or life or where you are today? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there are several. <laughs> uh, I think there was a there was a gentleman named Bud Swart, and it's just cool because his name was Bud. Uh, he worked at the company I was at, and he was a just a very massive mountainous man who wore suspenders and looked like Burl Ives, dead on Burl Ives. And for your audience who doesn't know Burl Ives, look it up on Google. He's <laughs> an entertainer. He was on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He's awesome. Anyway, um, Bud was very sage and calm. And he worked in purchasing and he taught me how to look at people in a way I never looked at people before. For instance, he would talk about behavior and say sage things like a tiger never changes its stripes, Steve. And I go, what does that mean, bud? He says, you know, if someone is tough as a person, chances are their behavior is going to be tough. And I'm like, yes, but I can change them. He goes, hey, a tiger never changes its stripes. And almost every time he was dead right that, you know, the behavior you were trying to fix was ingrained in that person. So you had to teach other ways. I, I never would have learned that. Uh, I thought that was very astute. Uh, he taught me several other things. And then Kathy Coleman, uh, when I was at CDS Associates, um, she was one of the first female executives I've ever been around. And she was the most worldly, business-oriented, talented, empathetic person I'd ever seen. Um, she allowed me to become the person I am today. Uh, you know, she gave me incredible latitude, incredible autonomy. 
and um, expected a lot from me and gave me a lot of leeway to grow personally as well as professionally. Uh, she showed me how valuing the whole person matters more than just valuing what they bring to work. Uh, and that's incredible. Um, Jim Stoffer, uh, a pastor I had here in town in Cincinnati, uh, actually was unique. He still is unique. <laughs> uh, in that he was much younger than me and we hit it off. And one day he brought up a book to me and said, Hey, I read this book and saw you in it. And I thought, oh, well, you know, here's some good theology book. And it was uh, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I see this in you. And I want you to read this and tell me if you can find yourself. And so I read it. And the piece in there about a connector is absolutely who I am. He says, you have no idea how much this matters. And now you see that this is something that could be uh, impactful in other people's lives. And for someone outside of your own sphere to see that in you is, you know, humbling to say the least. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, I think that's, you know, in terms of being a connector, that's absolutely something that you bring to the world um, that you intentionally, and, and you were using the word intentional before it became cool, uh, intentionally <laughs> connect with people. And I wonder if you have some good advice that you can share with me and everybody else. You are a busy person, you know, executive director of a a large company with a lot of responsibilities, a a board member on a large organization, you know, very involved in your community, but yet somehow you seem to be very responsive to people, whether it's via email or uh, on social media or in person, and you take time to meet with people. How do you kind of do you have a strategy for how you connect with people or, or go about your day, manage your time? Teach me. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think the biggest key to this, Jennifer, is something I don't see in many people. I have a desire to do it. I mean, it drives me. It's, you know, along with the extroversion side of who I am, I can't help but connect people. Just like the book says, and glad well. Connectors connect because they want to. They just have no other reason not to. They don't, they don't do it for an agenda. And I think that really throws people because when you try to help somebody out and get them to the place they want to be, whether that be to another networking connection or a resource or a skill set, the idea very nicely is, well, how can I reciprocate that? And I love that people want to reciprocate that but you don't have to with me. And that throws people. Because they think, well, you're just in it for yourself. Absolutely not. Um, I connect people because I want to. How do I uh, have a strategy around it? Is I make time for it. I don't make time in my calendar per se, but it's such a big part of who I am as a person that when it comes up, I make sure to get back to people as quickly as I can to say, I've heard you. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. It's not always positive. Uh, but look, you know, if you want to talk to somebody, you need to meet Jennifer or Tim or Mary or Lori or Matthew, you know, because these people are the ones you're looking for. I don't have to be the one that provides the source, but I can be the person who connects the dots. Uh, it's incredibly fulfilling. 
Uh, I get stories daily, and I'm not exaggerating daily, from people around the globe who said, hey, can we just talk for a little bit? Hey, if that matters, if I can be that person that plants that seed in their life, I'm doing what I'm meant to do. Is there somebody, and as you said, I, I know there are many, myself included, who have been impacted by, by your willingness to connect and help, uh, but maybe somebody that comes to mind that the involvement that, that you had with them has resulted in, in helping them to get where they wanted to go or needed to go? Yes. Uh, recently, this sounds so awful talking about yourself. Um, I wrote a book. <laughs> no, <laughs> we and, might just and, talk uh, about that. <laughs> and, and but the thing that has been transforming about this is this: when you say getting somebody where they want to go, um, I've been getting notes again daily from around the world about people who've read my book and said, "Hey, this has really transformed my passion, uh, renewed, renewed my interest in the field, made me excited about people again." And I've bought one for my entire staff so that they can learn this. And I I met a person in the airport coming back from the annual conference who bought three, one for herself and two for her staff. And I signed them for her with their names in it and said, hey, you know, and just little squeal, you know, scribble thing in there. And uh, I had a note back from her and said, they love the book. They can't believe that you took the time to sign your name. Now think of that. Think how simple that is and how little time that takes. But that was something. And they don't really know me. I may never meet them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I've had people, especially with this vehicle, uh, say, you know, this has given me more vision, direction, emotion, passion, joy, optimism, all of the kind of stuff I love being as a person uh, in what they do. So. I wish I should just keep a list. I've been kind of hiding them in my folder on my email to say, I'm keeping that one. Oh my gosh, there's that one. Um, it's pretty humbling, to be honest. Yeah, I've always heard you should keep a folder like that. So when you're having a bad day, you can go back and see. At one time, somebody actually said something nice to me. <laughs> but you probably don't have bad days, Steve. And, and we're going to come back not, to the book. <laughs> yeah, we're going to come back to the book. I will not forget that. I've got my copy right here. Um, I wanted to maybe kind of go back a little further, though, before we get there to, to kind of how, again, you've approached a lot of your professional life, but just, you know, your life in, in connecting people in general. And, and very early on in your career, you got involved in the local human resources association as a member. And if I recall, you had some feedback on what you did and didn't think they were doing right. And, and somebody gave you some great advice. Why don't you share that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to say it. Uh, I've been running the HR roundtable here in Cincinnati for going on 18 years. And I was actually running the roundtable before I was involved in the local chapter. And uh, like many people, we tend to hear what's wrong with something and we jump on it. And the more salacious, the better. So I was complaining about the chapter with absolutely no context. I was just flying into the same conversation that kept swirling around me out. I'd rather come to the round table than the chapter because the chapter uh, is awful. 
and you know it's full of vendors and not real hr people just constant griping so i just it felt good why not i wanted to be included and one of the very active members of the chapter one day at a round table after the round table was over literally pinned me to the wall and she's about five three and i'm about six four and she had her finger buried in my chest and she said i am so tired of you complaining about something you know nothing about and i went well who the heck are you <laughs> and she told me who she was and that she was an officer in the chapter and she believed in everything that it was doing and she says look if you want to make a difference get involved if you don't shut up and I was like, oh, challenge accepted. Uh, so instead of just getting involved like most people and kind of dipping my toe in the water, uh, that fall, I ran to become vice president of the chapter because I figured if I'm going to change it, I'm going to change it at the top. Uh, now, fortunately, I ran unopposed and won. <laughs> uh, uh, but it, it, changed, it changed my view on something I've been working with now almost 20 years. Uh, it's, it's amazing that almost you know, two decades of my life uh, have been changed because someone pinned me to a wall and, and threatened me. <laughs> <laughs> in a very, well, it doesn't even sound like it was a nice way. So I won't say that, but, oh, but effective. Nice but effective. It was so, effective. So, you know, that conversation inspired you to not only attend some meetings, but to become part of the leadership. How do you think, you know, what did that open your eyes up to in terms of how you had been wrong and or how you could by becoming a leader in the organization or to make some of the changes you wanted to see? Well, I think the first thing that it opened my eyes to was how many people were disenchanted with HR. And disenchanted with SHRM, uh, the organization that we were a small part of out of Cincinnati. Uh, it seemed that everything was very distant and disconnected and uh, not fun, I'll be honest. Uh, it was like going to an old Kiwanis meeting when I first started. And it was formal and stuffy and people didn't really know each other. And I thought, what is going on? This doesn't seem natural. This doesn't seem like the people who are here, who want to belong. These weren't people who were just trying to check things out. They wanted to belong to this uh, organization. So it, it kind of threw me back because I thought this would be positive. Now, the people that uh, I hooked up with had a really good outlook on the field and how being involved in a local chapter could help. So uh, I wanted to listen my first year, which I really did. And uh, not try to t to rock the boat. And then I had uh, two incredible women, Deb Drayton and Mary Carol, Mary Carol Parker, who led the chapter before me. And they absolutely paved the road. And the thing they told me more than anything was, you need to be here for your members. Uh, just like in HR, I think you need to be there for your employees. So it wasn't shocking, but they had to say it out loud and intentionally because most chapters they found weren't for the members. They were for the uh, programming, for the speaker, for the fundraising, for the vendors. And they really changed the culture of the chapter. And then when I got in uh, charge, I was like, okay, now that the stage is set, let's blow this up. 
Uh, so we had speakers we'd never had before, and uh, we grew the chapter. Uh, I started the HR Net to put resources in front of people. I still kept doing the roundtable. So I just kind of filled my bucket to say, you can be connected wherever you'd like, how much you'd like, but I expect you to be connected. You can't just float anymore. And so I kind of picked people off who were kind of fringe people and pulled them into the mix. And we grew and grew and grew. Uh, at the same time, I started to see avenues outside of that, and I became involved at the state level and with the state HR conference. Uh, and then, you know, over time, I became the chair of that. We had the largest conference ever when I became the chair. Uh, when it was HR Rocks, you were there. I was. Uh, and, you know, at that thing, we went from a conference that was nice to a conference that exploded, you know, and people were pounding on the table with drumsticks. And there was tie-dye and jeans and all kinds of things. We just re reconfigured what it was like to have a better experience in being involved as an HR professional, you know, and that led to the state directorship. And then now is sitting on the Sherman board. I mean... It's hard to believe that being pinned against the wall, uh, you know, I now sit and talk to people from Congress and uh, the CEO of SHRM, and it just opened all kinds of doors. Yeah, and I think, you know, for people, again, who maybe not are not in human resources or aren't familiar with SHRM, which is the Society for Human Resources Management, it is the largest professional organization for human resources professionals with over, what, 260,000? Members were what? Uh, over over two hundred ninety thousand, almost three hundred thousand. Almost three hundred thousand members, and so let's just all take a moment to recognize that Steve, even though he's six four and quite imposing, is still an HR <laughs> practitioner, a person who does the job of a human resources leader every day, who was elected to the SHRM Board of Directors for a global organization. Um, what a couple of years ago. I'm in my third year. In your third year to represent your profession. And, and while the SHRM board does have practitioners on it, it it's still, I would uh, think that most people can't see the path to get to that kind of position or maybe even want to do that. And I, I wonder if it's kind of like when you were kind of talked into or <laughs> uh, convinced <laughs> to join the local uh, chapter, you know, what, what have been your thoughts on becoming a board member of this large professional organization? And, and what do you see your role as being there? Years ago, I went to the state conference as a member. I wasn't a volunteer member. I wasn't on any conference committees, nothing. And somebody stood up and he was the chairman of the board, not the CEO of term, but the chairman of the board of directors out of Minnesota. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, hey, you know, what do you do? Is this your job? And he says, no, I'm, I'm an HR practitioner, but I've worked my way up. And now I can be the chairman of the board that represents the entire profession. And I was like, really? A regular HR person can do this? He says, absolutely. And I went, huh, wasn't that something? Thought nothing of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's interesting. Uh, now that I'm there, uh-oh. Gosh, to answer your question even more broadly, what can we do? And we're talking about changing the field, changing the industry. 
shaping an organization which will shape the industry. Uh, it's staggering. Uh, we're talking about everything from granular things that are still very, very important to the firm, the firm, sorry, to the field. Uh, you know, we can't get away from the one person HR group that's out there. Is they're the predominant side of human resources. To I'm sitting at a table with people who work for Fortune 100 companies that do HR at a level that no one even thinks about when you're a one-person shop. Uh, so we're trying to help define that entire continuum and to be able to be a part of that discussion to help them keep the human side of HR still prevalent. And, all the, and even at the top, the press is, you know, AI and all this other stuff that just is way over people's heads. I'm like, no, it comes down to people. It comes down to people. It comes down to people. And to be on the board, to be able to do that, it's, uh, I can't put it in words. I get emotional about it. <laughs> well, and again, you know, thinking about how you personally have impacted your profession and your community, you mentioned the HR Roundtable, which is a monthly meeting that, that you started for people in the Cincinnati area, not just HR professionals, but people who are searching for jobs or anyone really to come and uh, have a fun time and discuss um, work issues and also connect and meet each other and getting involved in your local professional associations, so certainly creating an impact there. And then somewhere along the way, you decided to start blogging. How long have you been blogging yeah. and, and what do you think that has done for you or what has come out of that so far? Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I started blogging seven years ago. Uh, so I'm an old dog in the blogging world. Uh, there are others that have been doing it longer than that, but not a ton. Uh, it was a Christmas present from my sister-in-law who said, you know, you say all these cool things, but no one hears you. Here's a way for people to hear you. And so she bought me a domain name, which is, you know, probably the coolest Christmas gift I've ever received from my extended family member. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she knows me enough and that I'm a huge music person. I mean, ridiculous. Before you and I had the call, I had my iPod on with 12,000 songs. And yes, it's an iPod, not streaming music. Uh, I'm trying to be old school if I can, as long as I can. Uh, and just enjoying music. I have it on all the time. So she says, while well, I decided to call the blog Everyday People, which is a song by Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it, it absolutely captures who I am because in the song it says, I am everyday people. And that's who I want to be. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole theme and it has been of the blog. Um, I've always wanted to be genuine, like I mentioned before, and um, I am a wildly optimistic person. It's amazing how many people who get upset because you're positive. <laughs> They're <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you positive? Like, I'm sorry, I really am. And they're like, oh, you can't be. I'm like, yes, I, this is who I am. Uh, so I wanted to only write positive things. And I have for seven years. Um, I know I'm realistic. You know, there's challenges I have in my life and my family's life. And around me, I work with people that have challenges that are devastating. Um, but someone has to be the light. And uh, people have really responded well to it. Um, it's led to hashtags on Twitter that people use every day. I mean, 
it's it's wild. I I just can't put words to it. <laughs> so can you point to anything like and as you said, many things have happened as a result of writing and sharing your thoughts once a week on on your blog. Um, anything in particular come to mind as a, a story of impact that has happened either for you or to you as a result of blogging and sharing your life? Yeah, I I wrote a, a post a long time ago. Uh, my daughter played basketball at Lakota East, which is a high school near us. And uh, my senior year, or sorry, my senior year, her senior year, uh, the coach came up to her for the girls' basketball team. And Melanie had been on the basketball team her entire schooling career, but she wasn't good enough to make the team. And the coach made her the manager, an acting manager. And so instead of, you know, cutting her, she found her a different role. And geez, I just killed me to even think about it. Uh, changed my daughter's life, changed our family's life. She came up to us and said, I don't want to lose your family as part of our team. So I hope this is okay. She talked to me first before talking to my daughter. And it was an incredible example of how to do this well when it comes to, you know, assessing your talent, managing your talent, all that kind of stuff that we hide in all these HR catchphrases. Here's a real world example that had nothing to do with HR at all. And uh, when I wrote that and put that out on the blog, it crushed people. I mean, <laughs> I got, I got you know, stories from all over the, the nation saying, wow, and it, it and I tried to tie it to not just saying thank you to the coach for what she did, but to say, you know, everybody has value. Therefore, you are a part of what I'm doing, even though you may not be able to perform in a role you think you should be performing. It's incredibly astute. And so I thought, you know, if we could take this simple example and use this in what we do in our roles, think how differently our organizations would look. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think, I'm much more a storyteller. Uh, I think people respond to stories and I'd rather tell a story and tie in what we do versus most other bloggers say, this is what we do and try and make it work. Um, yeah. And I think as a speaker, which is also something that, you know, you started doing long before a lot of people were out there kind of on a circuit speaking, maybe myself included, um, you know, you, you've been speaking to community organizations at your church uh, and certainly professional organizations and even to companies for years on a lot of topics. And I remember a few years ago um, watching you speak for probably the hundredth time. Now I'm probably up to three or four thousand. Um, <laughs> but I remember sharing on Twitter that if there was such a thing as a God-given gift for being a speaker, that you had it. And a lot of that has to do with the stories that you share and how you are able to really do exactly what you mentioned about this blog post. You you have an eye for these real life examples and then relating it to a professional truth and sharing that in a way that not only captures people's attention and makes it memorable, but also actionable. Is that is that something that others can be taught? Or is that just something that comes natural? I would say a little bit of both. Um, I think we have stories inside us. We just don't know how to tell them. 
or we have voices in our, our head that say, if I share that story, that's not really impactful. And that's not for you to decide. Uh, I think it's for the audience to decide. So I wish people would tell their story. And I know that sounds very trite, but you know, share their experiences. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Because your experience will speak to someone. It may not speak to everyone, but it will speak to someone. Uh, also, I think if you're not willing to be vulnerable as a speaker, uh, I laugh if people laugh with me. Uh, if someone shouts something out from the audience, I don't get offended. I just think it's hilarious. Uh, and we work with it. And my thing is, I'm, you're kind enough to come see me speak for an hour. I want to give you the best experience you've ever had. And from that, you can take away what matters to you instead of me giving you this Uber model. I want you to pick out the points that matter to you and apply them or just see things differently. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little different. When I think people come to see me speak, I have an hour to break them away from what they're normally used to and, uh, you know, pour into their lives. Let them have fun. I think we also chatted at one point how you mentioned you took, uh, I believe it was a, a comedy class or, or improv class or something in, <laughs> in college and, and how you think that is very helpful as a speaker. Do you think that's something that, that most people should look into? I think, you know, any way you can find ways to improve how you stand in front of an audience, how you present in front of an audience, whether it's videotaping. Uh, yeah, take a stand-up class. Go ahead. Uh, and you can find out what it's like to be booed and heckled. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> uh, uh, but the, the other thing that's nice about it is um, it gives you perspective. Um, I, I really struggle with speakers who are very much about them. You know, they might as well talk in third person because all you hear about is them. Instead of how their surroundings and their, the lives around them impact them, it's just about, you know, me, 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 me. Uh, they may have a short run and do well for a while, but the people who are attracted to all the time are people who go, you know, I see myself in that person. Uh, I do HR, they do HR. Well, speaking <laughs> they, of, they've yeah. worked in a small company. I work in a small company. Yeah. You know? We've talked about kind of Steve, the, the networking person, the connector, the professional, the leader the blogger, the speaker, and I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, the writer. Now, Ooh. June of last year, I believe it was, you published your very first book called HR on Purpose, which I'm holding in my little hands here, and the tagline, Developing Deliberate People Passion. What was kind of the instigator for becoming a published author, the stories you shared, and what you wanted to accomplish with this book? the stories I wanted to share kind of came from feedback I received after speaking. Uh, it's easy to hear the good news. It's hard to hear the tough news. <laughs> uh, but several people said, you know, gosh, you've got such great stories. You should share them in a book. And, you know, I'm polite and said, sure. Thanks. Really appreciate that. And they're like, we're serious. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but you hear it often, and, and I'm not a person, I, I'm a very strong person of faith. Uh, I don't believe in coincidences. Uh, so when you get a lot of nudges, that means it's time to act. Uh, so I decided to see if anything would come up. I sat at a blank computer screen 
uh, at a local eatery near my work and started typing to see if anything would come out. And it did. And I really wanted to write something that wasn't just a regurgitation of my blog. I wanted to, you know, more capture my philosophy about human resources. And it just started to fly out. Uh, it was uh, cleansing almost <laughs> to get it out. Uh, so what was the purpose? Um, I wanted to write a book where people could read a chapter. And if that's what spoke to them, I was good with that. If the whole book spoke to them, I would be astonished. But if parts of it hit them and they could use that piece and that one piece could make their job better, that was fine with me. Uh, so my book doesn't have a lot of flow to it. It doesn't build upon each other. It's more of, you know, vignette across the thing. Uh, but I wanted people to be encouraged in what they do and know that someone that believes in them. And I know that sounds really arrogant when I hear myself say that, like I'm this guy. I, I'm not that guy. Um, but you know, you know me. Uh, we talked about not having one inside thing, but here's one inside thing. Uh, if you meet me, I'm a hugger. I will hug the crud out of you. I won't ask you. I'll just see you. And uh, I want to hug you because I want you to know you're, you matter. Um, and I have had people I don't even know. <laughs> They come up to me and they go, hey, it's Steve. And all of a sudden, they're in my arms. I'm like, well, hi, how are you? This is nice. You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, the compassion and empathy in HR is there, but hidden. I don't think it should be done inappropriately or over the line or anything that is um, offensive or crosses into someone's personal space. But there are people who desperately want to know they belong. And I wanted this book to do that for them. Well, I think it's so far doing that. As you mentioned, there, there are hashtags, uh, including hashtag HR on purpose that are out there on Twitter where people not only discussing the book sometimes, but more often on, you know, the things that they've done to practice that in their own profession. So anytime that, that you become part of the uh, everyday culture, then I think the work that you've done is good. And Certainly, I received um, an advanced copy and had the opportunity to, to write, um, you know, a review that's actually on the back of the book, which is probably my first and only chance to be published. Um, <laughs> but, but I live here in Cincinnati with you, and I still don't have an autograph on my copy, um, so we'll have to fix that. And yeah. you know, always look forward to chatting with you. So, what's next for Steve Brown? What you know, maybe short term, long term, kind of what. Where are you headed? That's a good question and a hard question. Uh, one of the, I don't know, innocent things about me is uh, I take everything day by day. I really do. Uh, I'm not the, I'm the three-year guy, five-year guy, 10-year guy. I'm not. Because life is too full for me. I can't just skip over things to hopefully hit some result. Um, I do plan to write another book. I've talked to Sherm about it, and I have an idea that we're going to play around. Uh, but I don't want to be this world author. I just have more to say. So I, I want to have another set that encourages people even more. Uh, I hope to continue to serve on the board. Uh, I can serve. I'm going to be there the third and fourth year. I can be there for a fifth and sixth year. Uh, and I really hope I get the chance to do that because it's an incredible way to bring the member of SHRM to the executives of SHRM 
and kind of bring us back together as a profession. Uh, big term, long term, uh, I want to bring the entire global HR community together. I want to take the, the person who put me against the wall and said, hey, not only you know, do I get to leave the chapter, watch this, you know, uh, just so we can all be better as, as a community. Not that they focus on me at all, um, but that we can be, you know, that, that profession that changes workplaces. Mm-hmm. So if you had the opportunity, and you do here, to give one piece of advice to a leader in today's world, whether that's in the business world, their community, their families, et cetera, what is one piece of advice that you would give someone that would allow them to make an impact in other people's lives? Be others focused. I just, I pay more attention to the people around me than I pay attention to myself. Um, I am so interested in the uniqueness of every person that I want to find out exactly about them. It's missing, and it doesn't happen within family structures, within social structures, within churches and schools and workplaces. People want to have someone pay attention to them, acknowledge them. If you do that, you will differentiate yourself from 90% of the people around you because it's just not happening. And become an impact maker. So where can we find you online? We'll link up to all these things in the show notes, but where's the best place to interact with Steve Brown online? Uh, The best place is Twitter. Uh, I am very active on LinkedIn as well. If you send me an invitation, I will absolutely uh, hook up with you. Uh, But understand if you do, it's intentional. I mean, I will be in your stuff. <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> uh, 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 yes, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Goodness gracious. Uh, but uh, on Twitter, it's at S Brown with an E, HR, all one word. Um, I still think it's an incredible forum to use. I'm excited about the new batch of people that are getting excited about using Twitter. I wish some of the uh, more senior people in the field would get back involved in Twitter because I think it's a great place to have a conversation. Um, and, you know, if you really want to connect with me, uh, get my book. You'll know everything about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you so much, Steve, and thank you for the impact that you've had on my life, uh, on your profession, and on our community and the world. So I am glad you took the time to talk with me today and share a little bit more about yourself and others. And again, we'll link up to the book, HR on Purpose, and all of the places where you can be found online in the show notes. You have a great day, Steve. Oh, thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for the opportunity. Are you ready to take control of your business and life? Do you want to spend it making a lasting impact on others? Then subscribe today and we'll bring you new ways to change the world every single week. Go to jennifermcclure.net slash iTunes. That's jennifermcclure.net slash iTunes.